Well, I do want to talk about mothers today. But by natural extension, I want to talk about women. You know, I kind of joked a few months ago, maybe eight or nine, ten months ago now, that I gave a sermon, and I think I may have said at the end, I said, well, that'll be the one they play against me in trial someday. Now that we have our newly established ministry of truth by our beloved government, I'm sure this one will go in those books as well, but that's okay. I'll just nod my head and say yes someday. I said it. So I want to start with saying this. I believe wholeheartedly that women are under attack in our society. The uh, fourth wave of feminism has removed entirely what it means to be a woman. Perhaps, and this is partially or mainly my opinion, perhaps one of the errors of feminism of years gone by is to try and be like men. We're not the greatest example. You you shouldn't have tried to be like us. You should have tried to bring us up to you. (laughs) Unfortunately, in our society today, a woman is now whatever a man says she is. I said that on purpose, and I said it very carefully. A woman today is now whatever a man says she is. And that's a real problem. There are genetic, biological, physical, and emotional differences between men and women. That's, that's the part that will get me in trouble someday. To deny this denies the very scriptures that we say are sacred. It denies logic. It denies reason. And it denies, quote, the science that is proved by logic, reason, and scriptures. Genesis 1.27 says, He made them male and female. He created them. But our society is beginning to tell us otherwise. Well, that's not true. You can just claim to be whatever you want to be. It doesn't always hold true in most things, but for some reason... We seem to be more and more accepting of that today. And as a result, that's why I think women are really under attack in our society. Because when we say that women are whatever we say they are, we devalue and demean them. The scripture, in fact, warns us about these things. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly states that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teaching of demons through the insincerity of lies whose consciousness are seared. And this idea of having a seared conscience can have multiple different means. It can be that they are branded because they are teaching not the truth. It can also mean that they cannot even understand the truth because they have been seared. If you've ever had an injury in a certain place or burned your finger very bad or part of your body or been seared literally, you realize you lose the sense of feeling there. You couldn't feel after the truth if you wanted to because you no longer are capable of feeling the truth. You cannot perceive it. And I think this is what is going wrong in many parts of our society today. We have many, many people who have a seared mind and a seared conscience. So to even know what's right and wrong, they can't see anymore. 
And that goes all the way back to a sermon I had months ago where we read Romans chapter 1. We talked about how people have given themselves up to a depraved mind and begin to do things they ought not to do. And thinking themselves wise, they became fools. But in this passage in Timothy, we hear about a couple of things. They're being taught by demons. They're being hypocritical. They're being unscrupulous. Their conscience is cauterized or seared. And I'm almost done with the really negative part. I promise you. But I couldn't address the purpose of today without addressing what it is. Language is very important to us. It's vitally important to us. It's how we communicate. It's one of the things that makes us distinct from many other animals. Of course, we have souls and they don't, and it goes on and on. But language is very important. If you recall in the book of John, the word, the logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we must make sure that we don't alter or water down language. And so there's a reason today I say Happy Mother's Day and not Happy Pregnant People Day or Birthing Person Day or refer to it as chest feeding. Now, for some of you who aren't maybe aware of why I'm even saying these things, I will literally say just God bless you, and I apologize for sounding awkward. But for many of us who understand, we cannot allow this to occur. It is not a birthing person day. There is male and female, and women give birth, and they become mothers. That's how it works. That's what the words mean. It's a dishonor to God and to the unique aspects of women to change the language. And so we should call them mothers. Mother is a noun. It means a female parent. Again, words have meaning and purpose. God has assigned gender, and within those, he's given us specific roles that we play within them. Everyone who's here today had a mother. Everyone. We all hold that uniquely. Jesus had a mother. He didn't have a father in the same sense that the rest of us do. He had a spiritual father and he had a stepdad, if you want to call him that. But we all have had mothers, everyone. The last controversial thing I'll say, perhaps, we've all had mothers, but not everyone has been mothered, as in the verb. I want to talk about that today. To mother something, the verb, the action of being a mother, means to bring a child up with care and affection. It also means to look after someone kindly and in a protectionist way. And so being a mother, as in mothering someone, caring for them, protecting them, trying to raise them and bring them up, is not exclusively only to mothers who give birth, but there is some wiggle room in here. I can be as a father caring and compassionate and bring my children up and care after other people. And you as women can care after people who are not your biological children. You can mother them, if you will, to raise them up and to help train them. But there is fundamentally a difference between the two genders, the two sexes. And generally, as a man, I'm less mothering, if you will, caring and compassionate than an actual mother. All you have to do is consider climbing trees for a minute. Generally, if you have kids, they've climbed a tree. 
And generally the father will let you go a little bit higher than the mother, right? Anybody experience this? That's a natural instinct for a mother to be more concerned about the well-being of the child. And it's natural somewhat for the father to be like, yeah, sure, one branch higher. And then mom walks over and elbows the dad and says, not that high. This is a natural interplay that we have between the two genders, between the two ways that we care and look after children, the two ways that we raise people, and it should be identified and it should be celebrated, not gotten rid of. And that's what our society wants to do today. There is no difference. You can be whatever you want to be. This is wrong. It's unbiblical. It's unfactual. There are differences, and again, we slide between those things at different points. I might embrace my children in different ways and encourage them in different ways. It doesn't mean I'm not caring and I don't love them and I don't try to protect them and I'm not affectionate toward them, but what it means is, by and large, my wife is more of those things and is made that way, and we ought to celebrate it. When you look at the word mother and the Latin root, it comes from a very similar word to mean to mold or to cast. And I think that's really fascinating because it tells us what exactly mothering is about. It's molding and casting another person. It's developing who they are. And so those who mother, who are mothers and those who mother after others, who help raise young people or even guide those of us who need guiding from time to time, and trust me, I still need the guidance from time to time, and you do too. This idea that we are molding people, what are we molding people into? Are you fulfilling your God-given role as a woman, as a mother, as someone who looks after other people, and are you molding them into the image of God? Or are you molding them into something else? Because when you care and are kind and protect and are affectionate toward others, that is part of who and what you are. Mothers, women particularly, are designed to do this in a different way than men. And so believe it or not, Sister Helen and I did not share notes, but we could have. I'm going to talk just for a minute about some of these aspects. To care, to nurture, I mentioned that. That means to promote growth, education, instruction. The example I had was also Deborah. Judges 5, 7 says the villages ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother to Israel. And again, this is not the noun mother. She certainly didn't birth Israel. But she was a mother as in a verb. She was motherly to them as in she taught them. She helped them grow. She restored peace and order. And this woman did it with violence, with great strength. But she also must have taught or she would not have been a mother. She must have brought them up and reminded them how they should live in a functioning society. Because you see, just as today, over and over again, when there was no judge, when there was no ruler in the book of Judges, it says time and time again, the people did what was right in their own eyes. And someone had to come along and teach them to train them to care and to nurture them how to live in a functioning society. And for a period of time, Deborah filled that role in a very strong way. But she filled that role as a nurturer, as a caring person. This is why I think so many times we see women who are drawn to many of the nurturing roles, teaching, 
nursing. It's not sexist or anything like that. It simply is a part of who you are. You should embrace it. You should nurture. You should care. You should mold. You should live into everyone's life because it's a part of who you are. It is beautiful and it is needful. It is purposeful and it is God-given. And I am a reflection of it. I remember as a young person, my Sunday school teachers. In my mind, they were, they had a few years on them. Some of them have only recently went to be with the Lord in the last five or six years. and Maybe they weren't quite as old as I thought they were <laughs> at the time. But I remember them. I'm thankful for them. Amen. Because they filled an important nurturing, caring role in my life. My specific mother, who I love dearly, who I thankfully still have with me, she cares and nurtures after me in a different way than my father. It's not better or worse, it's just different, and it's what I need. And at times I need my dad, and at times I need my mom. Because she fulfills that role differently. Now I mentioned affection too, that's important. Affection is Kind of a difficult word to define. It's maybe fallen out of fashion to some degree. So I looked up a couple of definitions. It was not quite satisfied with any of them, but it means a fond attachment or devotion over and above what is reasonable. And I stuck with that because I thought that might make the most sense, over and above what is reasonable. Now, it's one thing to be polite. We should all be polite, but to be affectionate is... A little bit different. Now here I'm not talking necessarily about the intimate version of that word, affectionate. As you might have between a man and a woman. But I mean affectionate between other people above and over what is reasonable. And I can tell you today, I have sat here time and time again and listened to the teachers in this room talk about the affection they have for their students. And if you've been here and listened to their prayer requests, you know exactly what I mean over and above what other people have. Why? Because they care about them in a unique way. They love after them. They want to help them. They want to allow them to grow to be fully functioning adults. And that is beautiful. That is needed 100%. I want to read in this Second Peter 1. 3 through 9, just briefly, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. It'll make sense in a second. His divine power has granted us to all things that pertain to life and goodness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us the precious and very great promise, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world, because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplant your faith with virtue, with virtue knowledge, and with knowledge self-control, and with self-control steadfastness, and with steadfastness godliness, and with godliness brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For in these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For whomever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And so here we see a letter uh, that Peter has written uh, to believers, giving them instructions for how they should live, saying, adding to your faith, you should make sure that you do these things. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, and affection. Affection being different than love. Affection being the care and devotion that you have to someone. I don't know if you remember, it's been years ago now, I guess, I, I mentioned up here one Sunday and everybody laughed and I've said it before and people have misunderstood and some have laughed at me, but we've flipped these concepts of like and love. So many people will say, well, I, I love you, but I don't like you very much. It kind of should be the other way around, but... You can see the concept here. There is a difference between being affectionate towards someone, caring for them, supporting them, helping them, nurturing them, and out and out loving them. Some people it's hard to love, isn't it? And some people we should be affectionate and caring for regardless. But when we think about these things to supplement our faith, to build us up, being affectionate is one of the things that we should be. And again, perhaps if you were to think about attributes of men versus women, men don't score as high on the affectionate chart, do we? Thank you for your honesty. We don't. And this is what I'm talking about. This is the point of what I'm trying to say. Women, you are made to be affectionate biologically, physically, emotionally, and you should seize that and you should be affectionate one toward another and build each other up and mold each other up in this way. Whether you do it with your own children or with anyone else that you have contact with, this is a way that you are unique. This is a way that God has made you, in some cases, better than men to be more affectionate. You should own it and you should be it. Increasing these, the scripture says, keeps you from being ineffective. Ladies, women, if you ever feel like you're ineffective, read that section again. Increase in virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, affection, and love. Those will keep you from being ineffective. Those are your purpose-driven life right there, to be those things, to love God, and by His love, by your faith in Him, to increase in your virtue and your knowledge and your self-control, your steadfast godliness, and specifically affection in this case that I'm highlighting and your love. Increasing these things keeps you from being ineffective. And verse 10 says, Therefore, brothers, and that being actually can be interpreted as either brothers or sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your call and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never, never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Practice, practice, practice. Mary Magdalene served Christ in this way. In fact, there was a group of women, often not mentioned by name. Some of them were, and sometimes when it just says a group, we don't know exactly who it was, so it's difficult to identify. But there appeared to be a group of women who were affectionate, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about in an intimate uh, way, but I'm talking about who cared for the needs of Christ and His disciples as they ministered. And this is entirely appropriate. Talk about kindness for just a minute. 
I'll probably get another amen when I say women are more kind than men. (laughs) This is also a fruit of the Spirit. This is something that we get from being Christians. King James translates it gentleness. It's the idea that we're being kind, tenderhearted, benevolent to other people. An example of this is the widow that Elijah went to. I think I've preached on this before. You've probably read this before. You've thought about this before. Elijah shows up on the scene. This poor widow is out getting enough wood to have her very last fire to feed herself and her son their very last food so they can die. They're starving to death. And he shows up and says, hey, why don't you give me some water? She goes, okay, I have water. That's fine. So she gives him some water. He said, hey, how about you give me some bread? She's like, look, this is all I got. We're going to eat this and die. And he says, nevertheless, God says, Give me some bread. So she was kind (laughs) to share all that she had left with a stranger. And it never ran out. Brothers and sisters, we can be taken advantage of. We can have issues. But a fruit of the Spirit that God will help dwell and bring forth in you is being kind. And that never runs out. Your kindness never ends when it comes from God. God provided endlessly to the widow and to Elijah because she was kind to him. And there are many, many examples of this all through Scripture. Lastly, I mentioned that women protect other people. This isn't very hard to see, and I'm sure there's no doubt countless stories and even childhood examples of this. Women who will do anything to protect a young child, but I don't think it really ends there. Rahab, if you recall, when Joshua and the spies came to spy out the land, hid them. Why? I don't know exactly. But she protected them. She helped them escape. She gave them advice saying, go and wait here, then after this time, go and run away. She lied on their behalf. What about the midwives? who disobeyed the orders of Pharaoh and refused to murder babies. Well, that's relevant for today, isn't it? (laughs) They also lied to Pharaoh. Well, we just don't know what happens. You know, we get there. They're already born. Too late. (laughs) We also think about protecting. We think about Yochebed. Sometimes pronounced Jochebed. Y'all know that name? It's Moses' mother. She did the same thing. She hid Moses four months. I'm sorry, four, three months. Four is in F-O-R. She hid him for months on end. I'm sure, can you imagine the stress that she was under when he would cry? The concern about what would happen if she was found out. But she did the right thing. She protected him. And when she could no longer protect him, she did everything she could to try and protect him. She made a little boat. She put him in the river. I think she knew what she was doing. She sought to protect Moses as best she could. Women, mothers, you have a part of you that wants to protect others. And it should be enhanced and it should be glorified. Now, those are just a few things. I didn't want to be here all day. There are many, many other characteristics of women, both that we know just by nature, that we know from experience, that we know through the Scripture. And I'll also just quickly add what I 
didn't explain very well at the beginning. These are not just feminine characteristics. Men can be protective too, but somehow it's kind of different. Men can be caring and nurturing, but again, it's kind of different. Men can be affectionate, but somehow it's different. And we can be kind, but it's different. The point that I'm trying to make, ladies, is through God's design, you are created differently. Part of your very nature, at the very core of who you are, is different than a man. And you should be applauded for that. You should be encouraged in that. You should live into that. And you should use those things to mold the other people who are around you, you see. Whether it's your own children or your grandchildren, or the children you have at school, or the young ones you have in a church setting, or through scouts, or through work, when you mentor those who work with you, whether an aunt or a cousin, and even at some point, as a grandchild, or as you take care of your parents, or a friend, or a neighbor. Regardless of how old your children are now or whether you've been blessed with any children, you can and should be motherly. That is, you should take care of, you should be affectionate toward, you should be kindly, and you should protect other people and mold them into the image of what God has for them. And we as men should celebrate who and what you are rather than try and compete with you. The Bible tells us as much. To honor, real quick, means to revere, to prize, and to value. Honor. Let me say that again. When we say honor, it means to revere, to prize, and to value. So when I read this passage, ask yourself, young person and even old person, do you revere, honor, and prize the women in your life? Do you revere, honor, and prize, if you still have her, your mother? Because Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I could just stop right there, couldn't it? This is right. Honor, revere, prize, and value your parents. But it goes on. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. There's a promise to this. If you will revere, prize, and value your parents, your mother and your father, it will go well with you. Doesn't mean you get everything you want. Doesn't mean your life's just absolutely amazing. But it means that God will bless you and it will go well with you. We are to honor our mothers. We are to respect them. We are to prize them. We are to value them. And right now, that is not at all what our society is doing, is it? It's tearing them apart. You're not a mother, you're a birthing person. Taking away the very concept of what it means to take care of someone, to mold them, to be who God made you, and make you a physical act. It's shameful. It's horrible. It's anything but honoring. It's anything but prizing. It's anything but valuing. And we wonder why women and specifically young girls have such a hard time valuing who they are. You are special. You are unique. God made you to be who you are. and He loves you. 
Women, I encourage you, develop and honor your God-given motherly traits. You are not a man. Men, thank, support, defend, honor, prize, and value your women and your mothers because you are a man and not a woman. And that is your duty. I want to end this way. Don't turn there, just listen. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises when it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her maids. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothes is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates and he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently. You surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands and let her works praise her. In the gates. Lord, we come to you today. Lord, with what should not have to be such a stark reminder. Lord, you have created us to be different, to be unique. You have blessed us with different traits and qualities, desires and interests and emotions. Lord, you have created us unique because we need each other. We are not wholly one as you are. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us to live into who we are. Lord, I pray that you would help us as men to recognize and value and esteem and support the absolute vital role that women play in our lives. Lord, may you bring to mind the impact that mothers have had on our lives. Lord, and those who have mothered over us, whether they have taught us or led us or just lived into us and helped us 
to become molded more after you. Lord, may we give them praise and honor. Lord, may we rise up and call them blessed. Lord, we pray over the women who are here today. Lord, those who are mothers. And Lord, those who are motherly to others. Lord, may you encourage them. May they see value in what they do. Eternal value, heavenly value in the way that they care for others. The way that they are affectionate toward others. The way that they protect others in the ways that they nourish Lord, may you encourage them to look for those to whom they can mold after you. Lord, at any age, this never ends. Lord, these are consistent and concurrent traits all through life. And so, Lord, whether young or middle or old, Lord, you have a task for all of the women to be godly women to live a life that is worthy of your calling and to live a life that helps to mold others into who you want them to be. And so, Lord, today I thank you. Lord, I thank you for those in my life who have demonstrated what it means to be a mother. Lord, some one who has been my mother, and others who have been motherly to me, who have taught my VBS and my Sunday school lessons, who have taught me at work how I should be, who have guided me along the path of life. And Lord, I give them honor and praise, and I stand here today and I say thank you and ask you to bless their lives. Lord, may we all seek to be more like you, to give the honor and glory to you by living as the ones that you have created, male and female, working together for your good and your cause. We pray all this and a blessing over our mothers today. In your name we pray. Amen. Anyone have anything before we leave?